0: Welcome to Daily Dose of Dr. Mary and Dee, Dee. I'm Maz Mary
1: and I'm Dana Delval. Whether you're a person on an addiction sobriety path or you know someone who is, we're here to talk about our journey with it.
0: And more importantly, we want to help end the stigma and shame of alcoholism.
1: And we want to bring some hope and laughter along the way too. Thanks for tuning in. morning.
0: Good
1: morning. Um, sorry, I'm checking to see if our guest is hopping on. Uh, We're a little bit guestless, guestless. this morning, oh, which actually has never happened to us. So that's, oh, thank you. I'm looking for it. She's going to be on in a second. It okay, there we fantastic. go. Fantastic. Um, hopefully, oh, here she comes in just one second. Uh, it is freezing cold here. Yeah. And last time I talked with Kara, she was um calling from florida so maybe she can spread a yes, little. yes in case people
0: think we're not joking i don't know if we you are can. joking that we to go to the
1: camera no that's no, not see. working at all. it's not like
0: right there it is actually 17 minus, minus 17 feels like minus 32 fahrenheit so if you convert that to centigrade if you're that way inclined it's cold
1: So few people watching this are that way inclined, I believe, because mostly it's Americans. But yeah, it's really, really cold. So um, hopefully, let me see if I can do this while we're talking. I'm going to send the link through social media and we'll see if that helps. Hold on, people. We're vamping. It's going to be worth it. I promise. Uh, This part, not so much, but the next part will be. When Kara hops on, let's try that and see if that gets her the link. Um, yeah, we had no backup plan. We should have had a backup we plan because plan you know, thing. it's always a little bit of a gamble. If a guest is going to be able to get on, find the link, remember all those kinds of things. We should have had a backup plan and we do not. Lesson learned. Have a backup plan. I was thinking about something this morning, though, not exactly related to this, but a little bit, because uh, often it feels like, well, didn't we already talk about that? Didn't we already have that conversation? I think we talked about that in an earlier episode. You know, when you've talked about addiction 311 times, you've kind of recovered a lot of the ground. But um, I'm reading this little, rereading this little book, Steal Like an Artist by Austin Cleon, who I'm I'm really, really crazy about. And it's all this idea of, you know, you're just taking from good ideas and hopefully building on them. Um, And I think that's really what we are often trying to do is just take something that maybe we've talked about, but add a new slant to it or share a different story around it. Because, you know, they say that today people have to hear things seven to 11 times or see things before they get Engaged with them, so if that's true, then um, you know we—it's okay to be sharing stuff. Anne Riley has a suggestion for how we could pass some time. You could sing an Irish song as a backup plan. Oh, I could.
0: <laughs> I, I don't know. Did you any... want to? Did you want to join? Oh, there's Kara. I don't know if I know any that are um, appropriate. GP. Uh, yeah. PG even.
1: <laughs> Hi. Hello, Kara. Good morning.
2: Good morning.
1: How are you? I'm good. Good. We're glad you're here because we just got a suggestion for Maz to sing, and that did that's, not that's feel never like a good, a good idea. Plan. Aww,
0: <laughs> you know, you've hit rock bottom if that's the only choice.
1: <laughs> Kara, meet Maz. Maz, hey, meet nice Kara. To meet
0: you.
2: Hi. How are you today?
0: Good. Thank you. Yourself?
2: Uh, very good. It's looking to be a warmer day. I've been complaining about the 60 degree weather here in Florida,
1: so. We were hoping that perhaps you would be able to send some of that our way. It's minus 17 for our air temperature today, Kara. Um, freezing.
2: I can't imagine. I don't. I don't think I could do it for a visit, maybe. But
1: no, it's it's rough. No, actually,
0: for a visit, it'll be terrible as well. <laughs> yeah,
1: I uh, I said to Dr. Mary this morning, I'm kind of losing my mind because you just can't be outside in 17 below weather because the wind chill puts it at about 35 below. You can't, I don't care what you're wearing. You can't be warm in that. So you're really stuck inside. You're running to a car, running to a building. But beyond that, there's not anything to do, which would be rough for somebody like you. One of the most outdoorsy people I know.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I don't, I don't know what I would do. I think I might go a little stir crazy.
1: It's it's pretty rough. So um, thanks for hopping on Kara and joining us. We're excited to talk with you. Um, Kara let's let's save the outdoorsy part for later cuz i what you have done in your life just because you're into nature is really interesting but you recently put on must have been facebook i think i think that's the only place you and i are connected you're celebrating your 5 years soberversary so congratulations oh, congratulations
2: thank you thank you very yeah. much
1: That's a huge, huge milestone. And one that Maz is um, 12 days away from celebrating.
2: Oh, no way.
1: Yep. Yeah. Okay. So tell us, Kara, about your journey from there to here, and you can start wherever you want to start.
2: Oh, wow. Um, Well, I, I had some inklings to get sober at several different times throughout my life before five years ago but uh, it wasn't until five years ago that it actually stuck. So um, started dabbling in drugs and alcohol as a teenager and just as sort of experimentation fun. And then somewhere around 18, um, college, I think this is a common story. Once you're kind of free and no one's looking over you, you can just kind of let loose. And I think it was around that time that I realized that my... Consumption was different from some of the other people around me. I was in a sorority. Out of 60 girls in a sorority, I felt like I was often the one that was getting blacked out, lost, ending up like somewhere where I have no idea where I am. Um, And it was around that time, like 18 years old, that I first realized that I needed to change something about the way I was using. And I didn't want to stop drinking or using drugs. I just wanted to stop getting into really dangerous situations. So I thought that if I somehow controlled it, if I maybe cut certain things out and kept some things, I'd be okay. And I started to do that and things were a little bit better, but then that carried on for another 10, 12, 10, 11 years, I guess of like, not using as hard of drugs or not using, um, nearly as much alcohol, but still it was, uh, it was a struggle for me and it wasn't, um, a personal realization that I should become totally sober. It was actually my partner, Bill's, um, he went and saw a therapist that said something along the lines of, um, I'm not going to work with you until you're sober. And, uh, Bill came home and told me that, and I'm a therapist. And I was like, what, this guy's not going to work with you. And um I, you know, I was a little judgmental at the time. And I think it was more protecting myself, because I felt um, that that might have been like a, an attack on me in a way, because Bill and I used the same. And um, if he was being rejected, then I thought I was being rejected. Sure. And, and then um New Year's weekend, so I think it was like the 30th, 31st, and first, like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, we went down to Baltimore from Pennsylvania, where we're from, to do this like big bike party thing. Uh, It's like a monthly party on bikes where there's a hundred, couple hundred people. Everybody's on bikes, people have lights on their bikes. You just have your beer attached to your bike and you're smoking weed and doing all kinds of things. And they end at a party. Usually there's like a midway party and like an end party. And uh, we'd been going to these for a while. They were super fun. And um, we we went down to Bill's brother's house for the weekend for New Year's Eve and for the bike party. And that Friday night, the 30th, Bill had said, like, I'm not going to drink. And we we're like, what? <laughs> what are you going to do? We're at the bike party. So I drank like double for Bill to like make up for him not drinking. And then the next day, um, you know, I don't want to tell Bill's story, but he sort of had like a mental breakdown of like, I can't do this anymore. This is, this was his identity crisis of like, I'm not a drinker or smoker or user anymore. And at that point, I had sort of said, I'll do this in solidarity with you. Like, I'm a good friend. Uh, we were still kind of new to dating, but I, I was like, I will also try to not drink for a while. And it was just like a short term commitment. I had no actual feelings, like strong feelings about changing my life or becoming a better person. And um, after a week, I think I had my actual realization. So it had been a while in my life that I had gone a week without using any substances. And I was surprised by what was happening to my body in that week. And I think part of that is what was showing me that I had a dependency because I could intellectualize what was happening, but when my body started to show me something that was real and undeniable, um, I knew that there was something wrong. Like I I was very, very sick. I had night sweats and nightmares and tremors and all kinds of really weird feelings and hot flashes, cold flashes. And I was like, okay, this is kind of undeniable. And I think at that point, It was like a week sober that I realized that there was something, it was like an amputation was happening. Um, Something about my old life was ending and the attachment to it was what showed me that I had an addiction problem, like a real addiction problem. And that it was just more clear that I needed to carry on and see what it was going to be like. Um, so I carried on. It still wasn't a long-term commitment, or I think I was actually ashamed, which is really weird that so many times addicts aren't ashamed of their behavior and addiction, but I was initially very stigmatized about the idea of not drinking. Like I felt like it was embarrassing to tell people that I wasn't using. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would, you know, I go hang out with people and they'd ask me to go get a a drink and I'd say, oh no, I'm not going to go. But I would always say that it was just a temporary thing, like an experiment. And um, probably like a few months in was when I was like, okay, it's been three months. My life is starting to change in a positive upswing. Maybe I should keep going. And at that point, I think I had made a full-time commitment to sobriety and becoming a better person, getting my control back. And then of course, learning more about The fact that I had control issues and that I had to relinquish controls it was like part of like getting my control back just so I could let it go again. (laughs) (laughs) And my life has been incredible since. So I'm, you know, it's one of the most grateful things in my life is that feeling. That
1: is really incredible. Mm. Um, So obviously I I don't want to speak for Maz, but from my perspective, you could not have said I'm just gonna not drink for a week. No,
0: I could not have.
1: I, I'm so shocked when guests come on and have been on the same path that Maz was on, but just say, um, yeah, I'm I'm just gonna quit and do. Yeah. It's so incredible to me.
0: I respect people that can do that because I, I I certainly couldn't have. That was that idea was not even floating around my head. Because I didn't think there was anything wrong with me full stop. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Let me, can I ask you, Cara, in, in light of that statement, did you have concerns at any point between 18 and five years ago that like, maybe this was a problem and you just ignored it? Or did you, did you also like mass think this is no problem. I'm keeping my job. I'm on a bike. I'm doing whatever I'm doing. Uh, I would say a little
2: bit of both. So I was one of those um, highly functional addicts who had a job, I was going to school, I was getting good grades in school, um, showed up to work high, and I was succeeding. But then every once in a while, I'd wake up and say, you know, and there'd be a disaster, I'd, you know, seriously screw up with something. And then I would say, I'm never doing this again. But then it would later that day, I would be doing it again. And then it would have like, I'd have a run of like successful binges. And look, I'm still showing up to work. And I haven't gotten kicked out of anything yet. And my relationship hasn't ended yet. And my family hasn't disowned me yet. And then there'd be another disaster. And I'd say, Oh, I'm never doing this again. And it was just a recurring pattern of that, of feeling like I'm okay, I'm fine. Look at the proof. And then, oh, no, I can't do this. What's wrong with me? It was a totally bipolar 10 years of using. And you know, I still felt kind of proud of myself at 18, um, giving up certain things. Um, I was using cocaine, I was using pills, I would pretty much do anything if it was put in front of me at a party. I think it was just this like trying to prove myself, see how hardcore I really was, see how far I could take it. I was very sensation seeking. And at that time, I did go to an outpatient program, they sent me to an inpatient detox, I was there, got put back into an outpatient program, I quit. And I was like, Yeah, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm not really using that hardcore anymore. Mm -hmm. So I felt like I'm fine. Like I can see all those other people who are really, you know, scumbags. And I'm not one of those scumbags. So I can keep doing what I'm doing. Meanwhile, I totally was still a scumbag. I was (laughs) terrible. So it took me, you know, another 10 years to realize that. I think I was kind of hiding it from myself.
1: But sure.
2: yeah, that first week was very difficult.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, you you likely don't know oh. this, but so Maz, Maz went into that tremors phase and then they put him in a medically induced coma. And so th- yeah, this, is my, this is my only experience watching someone truly detox. But I... I remember in that moment thinking that to be present going through this surely must be one of the most inhumane things we do to human beings. I mean, to to arrest someone and put them in jail and make them go through that uh, alert is is just astonishing to me because what it took to sort of put Maz down into that coma was I've just never seen anything like it. So... The fact that you were present for it and making, chose it,
0: yeah, making the choice. I mean, good is, for you. Is
1: really, I, I don't want to say admirable because however someone gets sober is admirable, but it's it's really incredible that you you know what you went through to get through it because Maz doesn't, and I'm not dismissing. No, what I, you I did. I,
0: I, I've, um, I've talked about people. With that, with that about the And I feel guilty when they're explaining the horror of it. And they go, what was it like for you? I think, Yeah, I was in a coma.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. So uh this is my mom, Kara, making this comment. It's hard to see you as a former scumbag. You would know, but I have a hard time imagining it. I think I, I did it really well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I also think that um I, I, I'm not trying to redefine you for you, but nobody's really a scumbag who's suffering with an addiction because it's, yes, you're using it, but it's not really you showing up.
2: Yeah, that's true.
1: Yeah. You know. Um,
2: yeah, that's-, that's true. I think there was a consciousness though of, I knew what the consequences of my actions were. And then yeah. I continued to choose to put myself in situations where I'd likely make decisions I'd regret later.
1: Yeah. 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 But I would say how many of us, addict or not, can say the same thing. I mean, I, you know, I think about the stupid things I've done in my life. And I think you consciously walked into that. Yeah. You said that, understanding that the outcome could be dangerous. And yet you said, yeah, of course, I'll say yes to that. You know, so some people just get caught differently than others. And That's true. for some people, it lasts a little bit longer in their lives than b- being a dumb teenager um yeah.
2: oh i've certainly still made bad decisions as a sober person it's just now i can take full responsibility like i'm accountable now whereas i used to say yeah. oh i was drunk or that's i was high and neat. that's what the problem was so now it's all me and it it's okay because i know that i'm still not perfect and i'm still going to make mistakes but i can own it and work through it
1: yeah
0: well that's that's that, exactly that's a really lovely time when i when i realized that for myself that was That was a. I I actually walked around with a smile on my face about half an hour feeling smug in myself that I actually finally worked it out. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, Our friend John says, I find it fascinating how everyone goes through a different experience and that you share the process is so incredible. Awesome to you all. I I agree. The fact that anybody comes on and says, here's where I fell apart and here's where I built myself back up is
0: truly, truly
1: incredible. You know what?
0: This is a great conversation because no one ever took, I've never had this this part of this conversation before everyone talks about their rock bottom moment, mm-hmm. but we I've never actually told anyone what the moment was when I realized that being sober was just freaking fantastic.
2: Mm. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I think it's, it's a better conversation to have. Um, yeah. Certainly it's fun to talk about the days that I was using and um, to swap horror stories or war stories. That's what they say. Mm. And um mm-hmm. But I think what's more helpful for someone who might be at those beginning stages of recovery is to find out exactly what that turning point was. And they say like seeing the light, but, and it's everybody's like coming to Jesus moment or whatever. There's, there's all different types of phrases to use to describe it. But if we actually could learn to recognize it, um, it would be easier for more people to say, hey, this is my moment. I'm having a realization now that could be if I... If I hold on to it and really look at it up close, this could be my turning point. So I like yeah. talking about that.
1: That's that's really lovely, and um, again, just true for so many of us. I so often a guest will say something, and I will think, "Well, that's just how I felt," and then I'll fill in my own blank that has nothing to do with drugs or alcohol, mm-hmm. but that the insecurity, the fear, the all those things we we just all experience them. It's just some of them catch us in different ways and they catch different people in different ways. So I want to go back to something you said, Kara, because I think this is a really interesting transition to this other part of you. You said that you at 18 um, kind of cut back on doing pretty much anything that was put in front of you because you were, I don't think you used the phrase thrill seeking, but something to that extent. Yeah. So when you and I first connected, you told me that you'd, done the Appalachian Trail, that you've biked across America, that you and your partner are, are um, adventure seekers. Yeah. I, I, that's how I would describe you, as someone who just says, oh, you want me to walk 2,000 miles? Absolutely. My bag is packed. Let's go. So what what I'm curious about is, do you feel like you transitioned from drugs and alcohol being the thing that you thought oh, were giving yeah. you this thrill or this adventure mm-hmm. to now being this really impressive outdoor adventure seeker in in positive, but sort of equally um, intense ways, just in <laughs> very, very differently intense ways.
2: That is a great question, um, but I have always been a adventure seeker, a thrill mm-hmm. seeker. Um even in my relationship with Bill, before we were sober together and we were um well we were a couple in addiction, active addiction together for a short ter- period of time, and then we were friends in active addiction for many more years. and we would do adventures together under the influence and the the difference, though, the thing that has shifted is that now I realize how much more I'm capable of. so mm. I used to do big adventures, bike packing, backpacking, um all kinds of things. Even in my like yoga practice or meditation practice, as a sober person, I'm now able to go so much farther, mm-hmm. um deeper into myself or farther distance-wise or harder intensity-wise than I ever thought that I was capable of before. So I would say that's the biggest difference for me since mm-hmm. giving up and There's also this extra added uh, resilience and strength, because no matter how difficult a physical or environmental challenge I might be in the midst of, I can always go back to, well, this isn't as hard as life was in addiction, or this isn't as hard as that exorcism I went through in getting sober. Um, You know, this wasn't as hard as like rebuilding my life in recovery and, you know, feeling painful emotions for the first time that I had numbed for so many years. So I can always look back on, on that strength, that source of strength now in whatever type of, you know, bucket list adventure that I'm, that I'm working through.
1: That's, that's a really great yeah. way to say that. Cause it's true. I, I think, yeah. I think I will for the rest of my life also be able to say, fill in the blank is hard but it's not those first weeks after Maz was at his bottom and we were there together. That that was the hardest thing I've ever gone through. And I didn't even have to go through the physicality of it, but it absolutely, I, I doubt if I will go through anything harder. I, I Don't test me universe, I'm just <laughs> saying. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but that, that was extraordinarily hard. So I think you're right. The things that don't kill us do make us stronger. Yeah. And give us a different perspective and a different um, level of gratitude in so many ways. Yeah. So talk about what you're doing now as a therapist, because I know you're kind of on your own mission to figure out what's next in that realm as well. So how how does all of that play into all of this journey that you're on? Um, well, I do
2: a lot of different things and I'm still trying to sort out what the, or if there's even a, such a thing as like settling into one thing. I'm not sure. But um, yeah, I have no idea. I just love doing so many things. I'm um, still so multifaceted and, and I love that. Um, but I kind of want to like tell a long story about this. So going back to my first month sober, I um, I had been out of grad school for about a year, I think, and was in a counseling position that I did not like at all but I found um, a company that was doing really experiential work in therapy and they were working with substance use and mental health issues. And I was like, okay, I want to be a part of this. And I remember going into the interview and, you know, that first typical question is like, tell me about yourself. And I, I, the very first thing that blurted out of my mouth is I'm one month sober. And I was like, no, why is this the first thing that I'm sharing in an interview? This is terrible. This is like, I just ruined it. I was so excited about working here and I just shared this. And my life has changed so much since that moment because I realize now that that is not something to be ashamed of, but to be proud of. Yeah. And it, it turns out that the person that was interviewing me, surprise, surprise, was also in recovery. So like what better synchronistic, you know, coming together of two people that the moment that I feel like I just ruined something actually was was welcomed and, you know, I just it was it was comfortable and you know it turns out I got the job and since then I've been on this path of um, developing myself as a therapist in my own unique niche and that's been again it's a very multifaceted thing but um, working with. Uh, trauma addiction recovery and using mindfulness yoga adventure experiential things and it's just it's a wide like dynamic ball of things that I do and I had been doing that for a few years before leaving for the Appalachian Trail and then Mm -hmm. with COVID deciding to bike across the country and then coming down to Florida to kind of see what was next and potentially like building a business. So the past year has been a lot of entrepreneurial work, which is so hard if, <laughs> if you've never done it and um, developing a recovery coaching program and wanting to help other people who like, who are like me um, or just wanted to find an alternative pathway to recovery or I think more so it's um, what I wanted to do was help people to not just get sober or be in recovery, but be happy in recovery and thriving and figuring out what their life goals are other than like having their identity wrapped up in recovery. So it was really like, okay, now I'm sober. Now I'm a person in recovery, but what else am I? Like, I'm so much more than that. So I really want to help people discover what else is a part of their story mm-hmm. and and just to live a life kind of like how i'm living my life now which you know i'm so excited about and being a sober person is just a tiny little part of me that doesn't come up in most of my connections with people day to day like you i bond over so many other things and you know then there's this other part of me that i love to share and talk about but i want other people to be able to define themselves beyond just I'm an alcoholic. I'm an addict. So uh, recovery coaching. And then um, recently I started doing virtual therapy for teens and young adults. And it's been really fun. I love just being able to sign on to my computer and the recovery coaching is online too. So it's a whole new world. I never thought that I would be doing virtual work, but it's great.
1: So, um, I I love so much that you have this lens of being in recovery is one small piece because yeah. it's true. It is. Um, like like I, I I'll never forget. Um, when my son was a ninth grader, I was having lunch with a colleague and I said to her, because she had older children, I said, I don't know who I'm gonna be when Quinn goes off to college. I'm just Quinn's mom, and she said that's funny. I never think of you as Quinn's mom. And she laid out like nine, (laughs) nine descriptions she had about me. And I thought, oh, oh, right. I can be a multidimensional, multifaceted person. And, And at any moment, those can shift and change and they might be equal. And sometimes one is more than the other. But I think it's so easy to fall into the pattern of, well, I am just this. Mm -hmm. And I I love that you are that you are thinking about how to help people remember that sobriety is just a piece of this much larger, more complex puzzle that is what makes us human. And that if you if you stop at that, then kind of what's the point of being that? Because you're not really even experiencing life. Then you're just in a holding pattern of sobriety. Yeah and that's that's a shame. Yeah. John it's yes, a huge not. thing. Um when addicted to something it is what becomes the main picture and you are the addiction and problem. Once recovered your life becomes the picture and main thing and the recovery just becomes a part. It shows that life is either given away to an addiction or lives through sobriety. Boy that's lovely John that's, that's, that's really really true. You. Yeah. Um so I'm curious to know do you have questions related to any of this before i ask kind of an off-topic no, off topic question no ask
0: an off topic question come back
1: <laughs> i'm curious to know Kara, what is the next grand adventure that you and bill are embarking upon do you have one planned oh
2: gosh is this the great reveal this might be we <laughs> haven't really said said much um, publicly i guess but well you don't have to reveal have to anything if you don't want here. to <laughs> okay all right i won't give it all away um, okay. I'll, I'll keep it really light for now in okay. within the next year. So um my goal for the next year is just to become a really awesome surfer. I was gonna say bad, bad a <laughs> surfer <laughs> but now, sure, sure, okay. Yes, I want to be a badass <laughs> surfer in the next year. So we're in um New Smyrna Beach, Florida, and I just got a surfboard i've I've been surfing um since. October here um, started surfing when I was 18 kind of put it down for 10 years picked it up again in 2015 like near the end of the year and now I'm it has always been my goal at some point in my life to live at the beach and actually be able to surf every day so that's what my life has been like now since I've been here and the next year is just going to be getting a lot more comfortable on bigger waves and Yeah. Living that lifestyle. Yeah.
1: So the same boy I referenced, my son um, spent Christmas in Chile, one Christmas during college. And um, they were at a bunch of uh, hostels with a ton of hardcore surfers who really just followed the waves around the globe. Mm -hmm. So maybe that'll be you at some point. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That'd be cool. That sounds (laughs) terrible
1: to me, but, you know, it takes all kinds. So that's good.
2: yeah well i do i do have um a deep love for mountains as well so (laughs) i will i will hint at this that after a year there will be some more mountains in my life so surfing in flat elevation for the next year and then after that i'll be back in some mountains for my next adventure
1: well, I can tell you that neither of those mean that you're coming towards yeah, North you're, Dakota. you're not coming because anywhere near us no, no, sorry. <laughs> have to find mountains or waves in Fargo. So we won't <laughs> expect to see you anywhere but virtually. But Kara, um, this has been has a been, really been a interesting conversation. Thanks so much for joining us and sharing your thoughts. Lots and lots to think about.
2: Awesome. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad. And it was really nice to meet you, Maz. And- oh,
0: thank you, and you. Thank you. And yeah. Congratulations on your five-year sobriety.
2: Thank you. And,
1: and to you, too. I know it's coming up soon.
0: Yeah, 1st of February.
1: All All right. Right. That anyone's counting <laughs> down the days, but it's always something <laughs> to you. celebrate. Kara, we'll be in touch. Take care. Uh, I wish you good Best waves of today. of luck with everything. Thank Goodbye. you. Thank you. You, too. Bye. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Take care. Everybody else, we will see you next Tuesday live. Really share this conversation. So, so much to take away from it. We'll talk to you soon. Bye bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to Daily Dose of Dr. Mary and DD. If you enjoyed the content and want to learn more, head over to Facebook to Daily Dose Dr. Mary DD. You can find us on YouTube under Dana Del and if you want to get signed up for our weekly newsletter, email me at d a y n a D-A-Y-N-A-D-E-L-V-A-L dot com. Have a great day. We hope to see you soon. Bye-bye.